podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The other day, my friend called me a maths geek, which I thought was a bit nasty. And usually, he's as nice as 3.14159. So good joke, because it also forced me me to learn pi to five decimal places. Yeah, very good. It's it's an educational joke. Not just you, now all the listeners as well. Uh, yeah, and it just rolled off the tongue, didn't it, guys? I yeah, didn't actually look down at my... so quickly. I was yeah. so impressed. You didn't even read it off a bit of paper. No, I, I did write it down on a piece of paper the other day, and then I read it so many times, I was like, now I know maths forever. I uh, do think being able to recite it to five decimal places does get you a pass at GCSE maths. Yeah, I think that's all you had to do, wasn't it? That and the Pythagoras <laughs> stuff with the triangle. Uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. Is that trigonometry uh, or is that something different? That was still part of maths, wasn't it? To be fair, I think so yeah, I we never really do... paid attention in maths. Although, the, yeah. sorry, we have kids listening. Definitely pay attention in maths. <laughs> okay, we, we do because we have was it Avery who won the, uh, yeah. the game, and that all got over to her. And she was very excited and happy to get it all in the US for the joke, which was good. But I'm going to say no offense, Avery, but I reckon Nate's joke today was even better. Oh wow! Well, talking of maths, Lawrence, maths involves numbers, <laughs> as does your joke results so, so Nate we, I'm going to give at? you a review today of five see if you've been really clever you'd give me a plus four three point one f- oh <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. nine I can that do that I, I, I ruined your math thing there by talking over you Lawrence but that was that was clever <laughs> that was good wow um, for such an early recording podcast we are smart at the start of the day God, this is going to be full of maths. We are isn't flying. It? I love it. God, what are we going to talk about later, guys? F1 or maths? You'll find out after, <laughs> after the intro. <laughs> Welcome to the Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. So, maths. How maths. I can actually genuinely, maths. I'm going to start with maths because everyone loves this part. Well, everyone gets their name read out. Review time, numbers of stars. Ah. Ready? Five. Yes. Boom. That's the best number. From. It costs Callum, who's in the UK, funny enough, with that name, who says uh, the title is better than dot, dot, dot. Uh, insert other podcast here for drama. Um, I don't know which one they actually mean genuinely, but it says better not give them free promotion. Uh, the best F1 podcast I've found, uh, the chilled atmosphere, jokey nature, are coupled with great technical insights, all work great. The consistency also wins you brownie points. Keep it up. I don't know how we're consistent in any way, yeah. shape, or form. See, Callum really nice accidentally left a review on the Autosport podcast, <laughs> and it says nothing else. <laughs> yeah, actually, because I even missed the first line of that. I'm that bad that it, it just said I half thought about naming and shaming, and then thought better not give them free promotion. But he probably meant that, or she. But I think with the name Callum, it's a he. Um, probably meant that for yeah, Autosports podcast about us, and didn't want to give us the free promotion. Of course, but uh... but then too late. So never mind. Um, there, we've given free promotion to the Autosport podcast now. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I just did that myself. Yeah, but um, never mind. Thanks, Callum. Yeah, thank uh, you. And the other one is uh, also five stars from 
I'm going to try and say this, even though it's not a username you're meant to say. From Australia, it's Nijeshjujujujujebwub, because it's just like S-H-J-W-J-W-J-E-B-W. Um, but it says, great comedy podcast. And then as a bonus, they add 14 minutes of F1 chat, which I'm also into. Nice one, lads. And the classic title, Padhock, love Padhock. Which, nice. Hey. We love that. Yeah, we, we do love. We do love that. There's yeah. several things we love. One of them is that. The other one is Pierre Gasly. <laughs> Indeed. Um, they are the only two things we love, actually. Speaking, so. and, of, speaking of maths, uh, who fancies watching The Life of Pi later? Am I right? Uh, pull back to the joke earlier. And it's all going downhill. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also a good segue because I've, I've got a critique. Um, oh. Eva Vandenbelt on Twitter uh, sent in a tweet to the Paddock out of the blue just saying, at the paddock, I'm afraid you took too long to fulfil the fans' wishes. So, kid at Kid Smith, which is Claire Smith, took it upon herself to get her own made, and it is a picture of a Gasly Love Gasly mug. Oh wow! Uh, now, stupidly, I opened that on my laptop, didn't I? So you guys can't see it. <laughs> so I'm now opening it on my phone in a very smooth and well organised manner. Uh, but when I find it, you guys will be like, "Whoa!" There we go. Oh, oh nice. cool. Well, see, I like that. But this is a bit awkward, isn't it, Madders? Because technically, you had made one. I've got... But they're I've not got, out for uh, much production yet. No, I think I've got seven still here in a much too big box for them. Uh, one of them is for you, Nate, I think. You don't have yours yet. No, not yet. But Beretta, well, you do have one. I do. But I've never seen you use it, just saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the look of shock on his face. <laughs> um no, exactly. Yeah, you've got some like I don't know harvest fruits thing going on. Uh, although it's quite a nice mug, but anyway, yeah. So Bretto just shuns it when the pod's on because I'm here with a coffee and a paddock mug. Just you know, come on, guys, represent. I, I mean, I would represent if I had the mug. If you bought me the mug, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I get to see you on Friday. You can have it then. Yes, that's a good point. At the moment, I'm just wrapping my Guinness mug from Dublin. Shout out to my mate Graham, who went with me. Got a good podcast as well. Podcast nobody asked for. Why am I plugging random people's podcasts? I don't know. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Do you remember well, when I made that Life of Pi joke earlier? That was fun. That was good. Yeah, that was yeah, that was fun. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> face when I said that. If anyone could have seen it, it was it was great. Um, so I'm actually gonna I might send uh, a mug to uh Kidsmith just for making their own. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. That's already yeah, and not to say theirs isn't a great effort. We love it. No, um, but that's commitment, that's how much we like the support. The support's yeah. Fine. yeah, absolutely. And then, and you can never have enough mugs that profess your love for Pierre Gasly either. I think, like, if if, you, if if every mug in your house had that written on, I think it wouldn't be enough mugs. So, there you go. I think that's fact. I've yeah. seen that written down somewhere. So yeah, so there was some love there and some hate, but never mind. Okay, well, we we've kind of gone through my first part of the review section. The second part of my the review section is, of course, Nate's sixty-second review. So, Nate, have you got one for us this week? I do. It was a close call, wasn't it, lads? I messaged you yesterday, and I was a bit like, you know, I'd worked two days straight, and I was like, I don't think the review's very good, so I haven't done one. It's not often that Nate works two days straight, by the way. And if I don't work a week, <laughs> two days straight after a race weekend. Like, I was just, <laughs> come on, guys, that's not... That's he always skips Saturday of a race weekend just to make sure he doesn't have to do two days straight. And Thursday. <laughs> yeah, Friday, Thursday. Friday and Sunday are his days. No, usually I take the Sunday off. What happens on the Sunday? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Like, yeah. like, as Bretto showed with Russia, just don't watch it. Just don't it's do fine. it. Just don't do it. Um, but then this morning, we were waiting. Meadows went to walk the dog. 
and I had a moment. That's not a euphemism or anything. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're all close friends here. We tell each other. And so yeah, so I salvaged it. But don't call me a hero, guys. I'm just I'm just doing my job. <laughs> a turkey is for life, not just for Christmas. With that in mind, here's my 60-second review of the Turkish Grand Prix. <clears throat> First place, Valtteri Bottas. Congratulations, Valtteri. A win when it didn't mean anything. Max Verstappen back in the, in the championship. Sergio Perez back on the podium, getting the tequilas. Charles Leclerc in fourth place. I thought he was going to win at one point. Lewis Hamilton. All we hear is Radio Gaga. Pierre Gasly in sixth. We love Gasly, don't we? What a man. Lando Norris in seventh. Carlos Sainz was rapid. In 8th from the back of the grid, Lance Stroll finished ninth. Esteban Ocon is French. Giovinazzi, team orders. Kimi Raikkonen, probably mad at that, probably didn't care, I don't know. Daniel Ricciardo, he won his, he won a race this year, right? It doesn't matter anymore. Yuki Tsunoda, the roadblock, uh, finished in 14th, but pretty impressive with Hamilton early on, me think. George Russell in 15th, didn't see much from him. Fernando Alonso took off his tinfoil hat for the race and drove straight into Mick Schumacher. Nicholas Satifi was 17th. Vettel down in 18th. Loved that. Don't go to Las Vegas anytime, Seb, because you will not win. Schumacher, unlucky, and Mazepin. What a nutcase. <laughs> so just clarifying yeah. the Vettel, I don't love him being down in 18th. I mean, I love the I loved the gamble. I love the yeah. him going for it. I thought it was I, I, obviously hilariously backfired, but I, I quite enjoyed it. And uh, I thought it deserved some a tip of the cap, at least. Well, just for clarity, Beretta, did you watch this race? I did watch this race, yes. <laughs> okay. What's this it like is, being back watching an F1 race? sounding bad, isn't it? There's, there's a pattern evolving here. Lawrence messaged me in the morning. He was like, because he'd forgotten a few things. He's like, so do they, they start on the grid, right? And then the lights <laughs> go out. And I said, yeah, the lights will go out and they'll start. And on the formation lap, he messaged me like, why are they driving so slow? I said, so this is the formation lap, Lawrence. This is to warm their tires up. <laughs> and he was like, oh, thanks, Nate. And then he's like, why are they all waiting? He's like, wait for the lights, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> you don't just stop and go. He's like, why don't they just drive faster if they're not in the lead? I was like, they're trying. They're trying. Um, and then, then he saw a car facing the wrong way. He's like, that's bad, isn't it? And we're like, yes, yes, it is. You don't want to do that. You're why are Vettel's tyres yellow and the others are green? <laughs> that was also bad. Yeah. <laughs> but you're um, right, that was great. That was such a good effort. I, I remember was. seeing it, like looking up at the TV and going, uh, they've put the wrong ones on. Like, surely this was a joke. Like, I could not believe. Like, there was no one who said, yeah, let's try slicks. There was no one that looked like it was going to work. And as soon as he went out, you're like, hmm, yeah. out. And also, the funny thing with it was... Well, right. So why didn't, yeah. he, why didn't he use those? I think they were worried about graining, weren't they, on the softs? And I, it was cold, like very cold. And he probably wasn't going to go that quickly early that he maybe thought they were going to grain because he'd be going slowly. I don't know, but... I just think it was a silly gamble that was never going to happen. He was the only one, though, on Team Radio who was saying, it'll be dry at some point. It'll be dry at some point, where they kept asking him. It was never dry at some point. Because he made the point, didn't he, that the intermediates by that point were basically like the dry, like they'd worn so far down. He was like, well, we might as well try it. I quite, And I think that, like, the funny thing with it was, it was like, it wasn't even like he was a few laps too early. Like you said, Lawrence, he was the only one to do it. It was like, it was never, no one else was ever like, yeah, let's let's try it. Because didn't Daniel awesome. just pick for a set of inters just before that? Or yeah. In a, in it it was that. when everyone was, yeah, Daniel had done it quite early and everyone was suddenly pitting for more inters because they were like, this is never going to dry out. We need to switch to another set of inters. And everyone was doing it. And that was the point where you're like, oh, that's a shame. There's not going to be the crossover point yeah. that would have been exciting. 
And then Seb was like, I'm going to make it the crossover point. <laughs> I'm a four-time then... world champion. I make this happen. <laughs> like you said, Nate, it's like being in Vegas and being like, I'm going to make this make 21, even though you've dealt me 26. Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't. No. no you I know can't that, you know that, it reminded me of that thing on The Simpsons when um, I think Homer goes to Vegas and um, he's like, hit me, hit me. And he's like, <laughs> never stops. hit me. And he's, he goes over and then there's a pause and Homer looks at the car. He's like, hit me. <laughs> I think that he's clearly over. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, just to clarify, because I thought it deserved some uh, yeah, tip of the cap, even though it's failed spectacularly. I also enjoyed, Nate, your support of Yuki Tsunoda. Um, yeah. I thought that he got way too... I think he's been given such a hard time these days, particularly in he that really match, where I didn't really feel he did anything other than have a strong race and do what his job was, really. Yeah, he, I thought he was, this was, I think, his best race in uh, a long time anyway. And I think he's being shown up because Pierre Gasly's doing so well. And, you know, I know you're meant to be compared to your teammate, but he is a rookie and Gasly's kind of doing what's expected of him, I think. Whereas Yuki's kind of, yeah, I think you're right. I think that all those questions about, you know, and he was so, he was so like refreshingly honest about himself. He's like, yeah, I keep crashing. I'm surprised he gave me the next job. I was like, oh, Yuki, man, come on, back yourself, back yourself, mate. Um, yeah, because he said the same, didn't he, about like trying to hold Lewis off, that it wasn't enough. He wanted to do it for 30 laps, not just eight. And it's like, well, yeah, that's exactly what you want to hear any drivers say. Yeah. A, because that is their job. But B, because like it would make him look like an absolute hero if he'd have managed to hold a, a faster car off for that long. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the spin obviously ruined it for him after that. But he said he couldn't see what was behind him and thought there was a car right there, which just gave me this hilarious image of him kind of checking his mirrors nervously <laughs> and not being able to see. And there's no one around him. And he's like absolutely on it, thinking he's going to get me, he's going to get me. And then there's nobody actually there. When he when he when he swapped ends, he'd look around and be like, "Oh, yeah, nothing just there. me, scared by his shadow." But in terms of the Red Bull picture, he did a great job for Max and for the for sure. Red Bull because those if if Hamilton comes straight through, Hamilton might finish, you know, right up behind. He might have even got past Max. Who knows later in the race because the Mercedes was pretty rapid. Um, so yeah, I think in the context of that, him and Perez actually did a really good job. Um, in kind of playing that role of of stopping Hamilton from scoring as many points as he could. So, um, yeah, shame he finished out the points because he deserved to be up there, I think. Yeah, think. weirdly, the only driver of that like kind of group that didn't do a great job was Pierre, like in terms of holding Lewis off. Like he did a really good job in race yeah. overall and getting good Never points, Lewis. but Lewis came straight past him. Whereas, yeah, Yuki held him off for a bunch of laps and Checo was mega, to be fair. I thought he was beaten like quite early in that fight. Um, mm. I thought Lewis had him and... Then I think it was it into turn one where it looked like I think Lewis out dragged him with better tires and Perez had nearly held on out of the final corner. But I was like, oh, he's, you know, you could see Lewis pulling like a car length ahead and you're like, oh, this is a done deal. And then Czech was like, nah, throwing it down the inside still, mm. which was, I mean, that was good judgment as well because he probably knew Lewis was going to, not going to turn in in case that happened. He was going to leave in the space. Um, but yeah, I thought he played that really well because that proved crucial. That was Lewis's only shot to get past him. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas quite often you see it, don't you? Lewis does it quite a lot. We'll say, you know, there's no point defending like this. They're going to get me at some point. I think he did it with Max in uh, Paul Ricard, where as soon as Max got close and went for the inside, he was like, yeah, he's going to get me. And you think, but quite often we see that after a bit of a fight, if the other car overheats its tyres or something behind, it gets a lot harder, like in Bahrain, where Max only actually had one shot at it. So, I mean, I guess, you know, these are smart guys. So maybe Lewis knows when that might happen and when it might not. But um, I thought, yeah, Checo really showed that even though you feel like you're a sitting duck, if you really battle it out um certainly in those conditions as well quite quickly it can it can play into your hands so he uh 
he definitely earned that podium. He's he's not had a great run recently, but I was I was impressed with him on Sunday. Yeah, well, we so... were only we were only saying in the last pod <clears throat> that good stat that you had about him scoring the same number of points as Russell, which incidentally, Meadows, I had a lot of people trotted out at the weekend, so you should take full credit for that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you're right. I think it's the first time really that we've talked properly about Baku since uh, about Perez since Baku. I can say the words in the right order. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, and it's important, right, that he keeps doing that for the rest of the season. Um, otherwise, Red Bull aren't really going to have a chance of catching Merck. Well, especially now Bottas has kind of stepped up since he got his contract. Like, it's interesting that Bottas has stepped up and I feel like Perez has realised that, like, I think he was kind of getting away with it a little bit when Bottas wasn't in form because, like, the whole point of the whole thing coming into the year was, like, the second driver is going to help win the championship for Max or Lewis. And since he's had his contract, like, Bottas, to be fair to him, I have was a bit, you know, made a bit of a smart ass comment to him at the start of the review, but he has been better, you know, since he got that uh, deal with Alfa Romeo. And so, yeah, Perez now needs to step up as well. And I think he's doing that. So that's good. Good for the championship as well. If they, if all four of them are competitive going into the last few races, it makes the whole dynamic pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Like if you imagine if Lewis is stuck behind Perez at a race where he's like, well, do I try and get past him for that extra point or do I hold back or vice versa with Max with behind Bottas? I don't know. Um, sets it up quite nicely. Yeah, I agree with you on like Valtteri was like on it this weekend, wasn't he? Like I know Lewis took pole, but they kind of needed that to happen as well. Because as much mm. as like Valtteri might have beaten him, and everyone would be like, "Wow, you know, brilliant performance," but it that would have hurt Lewis even more because they knocked him back an extra place on the grid. So they they kind of got it absolutely perfect there. But what I found really interesting, I don't know if you guys um, felt the same, but I I agreed with Merck's call in the end to pit Lewis because just before they'd done it, I, I remember tweeting about it that. They weren't willing to risk a DNF with their engine, so took a power unit penalty. But then they looked like they were willing to risk those tyres over the whole distance and not be certain that he would A, finish high enough, or B, that he would finish at all if he actually had a failure. And I just thought that felt like a gamble that wasn't worth taking when you've already shown that you weren't going to gamble. It's like kind of, yeah. they'd already put themselves, you know, if they'd gambled with the engine, I could almost then see like going all at it. But when you've been a bit conservative and then you think, oh, maybe we'll, actually waste that conservatism by going for it. it seemed odd so I thought the pit stop was the right call but I also think it showed that both teams now are in full kind of defensive mode because with Merck they weren't willing to risk it with Lewis rightly I think but they you know they could have got third if it had all gone perfectly they could have finished a lot further back it wasn't worth the gamble uh, and then Max said like with 20 laps to go he'd given up because he's like oh, I just, you know it wasn't worth trying to get those extra two and three tenths to put pressure on Valtteri, I, w- I wasn't going to get catch him. And I'm like, that's not a Max Verstappen thing to say. Mm. I think for yeah, both sides, right. they're like, cut your losses. I think Merck even used the term cut your losses. And and they just, neither of them want to lose big points to the other. So as long as they're both kind of doing solid jobs and, the, and it stays close, I think that's their first priority now, rather than we can go and land a killer blow with a win here or whatever. Yeah, because it was, he lost five points to Max, but it could have been 18 if he hadn't. And you think in the context of how close they are, that is super close. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I mean, pitting him was clearly the right option. I think, Meadows, you made the point. I know everyone was talking about Ocon, but he did one lap less. And he basically, when he finished, he was like, I was so scared the tyres were going to go. He lost something like 50 seconds, I think, you you, you tweeted. Yeah, with 14 laps to go. Um, yeah. Science was on newer tyres at that point mm. uh, and had a quick car, but in 14 laps to lose 50 seconds. Even Stroll passed him with, I think, six laps to go and it ended up at 20 seconds. Um, you saw that overtake happen. They came out the final corner and Stroll, it looked like Ocon had a problem because Stroll has to swerve around him because because Ocon was so slow on traction at the final corner. And I think Merck again pointed out on the final lap, 
Ocon lost two seconds out of the final corner to Giovinazzi behind him. Wow. So that, that wasn't even a gap until the run to the flag. So if Lewis did that and the others had caught him, they'd have just driven straight past him at the finish, which would have looked really embarrassing. So, um, yeah. It's surprising, given like Shanghai 2007, surprising that Lewis didn't have that in the back of his head, unless he was super confident he could make it make it work. But I'm, I don't know. It's just that to, he's always said how, how big a moment that was in his career. You'd think he'd be like, right, you know, like you said, let's play it defensively. But then again, I guess when they're in the cockpit, like we saw with Lando and Sochi, it's easy to be like, no, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm in control of this situation. And the team are there, they're thinking, ah, I don't think you are, actually, mate. <laughs> I think you're the opposite of control of this situation. Like it's falling away from you. Yeah, you might feel good in the car, but lap times of others are better. So, you know, other yeah. people might be like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going so quickly. And even though Lewis thinks he's doing a good job, Leclerc was the same when he was trying to go to the end. And he said, I can do these 35 fives. Just let me know if if that's enough and I, or I need to go to the end. And the guys that are pitted by now were doing 31s and 32s. So, and he had no idea they were going that quickly. So to him, he felt like he was doing a good job. And then he's told, actually, no, the, the situation's changed. So I think they made the right call. But um, I was going to say, it's always funny that um, like a driver will question it. And then afterwards, I saw a lot of this coming up. Then like afterwards, people question the driver for that questioning in terms of, you know, ask them what they were thinking or if they're unhappy, because that's the only context you've got. You've got what happened in the race and you've got Lewis on team radio, like complaining. So then you go to Merck and you go, you know, you know, was it the right call? Was it not? You go to Lewis and say, are you happy with the call or you're not? And then fans are coming out saying, like, oh, of course, they're going to make these noises in, in the heat at the moment. Like you can't you can't take that out of context. You need to like give them like time to calm down. It's like that's exactly what we do when we ask them questions afterwards. Yeah. We go, you said this in the heat at the moment. Do you still believe it? Is that right or is that wrong? You know, or was that just heat at the moment? Um, it was like that question that Seb answered that's been doing around yeah. on Twitter. And it was like that was a really good question from the journalist because he went to Lewis and went, you know, you called Max a dickhead, but is that right? Did I hear it right or am I wrong? And if I did, you know, I want to give you the right to reply. It's not fair to just go, Lewis thinks Max is a dickhead based on a radio message. And people seem to overlook that, that he's, he's actually being fair to the guy by saying, you know, in the heat of the moment, you said this, what would you say now that you're out of it? Yeah, that was Louis Decker's question, wasn't it? One of our Dutch colleagues. And I remember at the time, he got a lot of stick for that from people saying, like, why did you ask that? And he was like, well, my, you know, I'm a Dutch journalist. I was trying to get Lewis, I, rather than like you say, rather than just slam Lewis for one word. So it is interesting how that works. Like I've, it's been quite interesting, quite sad as well. Looking at Twitter, seeing how fans respond to the way we try and ask those questions, because usually you're just trying to find out more information, right? Mm. You know, like if someone's, like if Lewis is shouting at the team, you're like, all right, well, what did you think was a better option, and how did you see the race going yourself? You know, like it's a common question, isn't it? When we're in a, a huddle, you know, mm. if someone, I don't know, someone collides with another driver, or they have an issue, you're like, so what? What was realistic today? Like what? What could you have done without that theoretically? And usually the driver's like, I could have finished here, right in this position. Third was was on. You know, they know that stuff. So you ask them that, and yeah, it does. Maybe it looks like we're digging, like digging for a big headline. And I think some British publications maybe do that. That's just the nature of the, the game, I think. Um, but yeah, like Lewis's response to it was interesting. Like he's like, I wasn't furious with my team. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you report on it properly because he was angry at the time. But he's also driving at like 200 miles an hour, you know, in, in, in rain in Turkey, trying to win a championship, which is something that I don't think many of us writing can really put ourselves in that situation. Speak for yourself. Look at Barreto. That's true. Yeah, but I've seen Barreto drive, actually. It's it's fast. Wow. Frantic. I mean, he's been racing F1 drivers recently. <laughs> what oh, a yeah. segue this was, Chad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I was. I was definitely setting up for that. <laughs> so, um, you know, thank me later. 
Connor Bretta, when you were leaving the game of journalism to become a so uh, field racing driver? You both have been very kind to me when you said I was racing um, <laughs> other drivers. <clears throat> I had um, a great opportunity to go to Italy to um, go in a go-kart at the same time as Lando Norris was on track. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> no, um, so Lando's launched his own karting team, sort of like Fernando's done. Um, I think Daniel Ricciardo's done it as well, Charles has done it as well um, sort of lending their name to a, a new team to try and help uh, give more young kids an opportunity because obviously motor racing is expensive and so it's difficult to get in and I'm not saying this is the answer to it but it's it's one solution to hopefully many that will give um, young kids a chance so I had the opportunity to uh, go to Italy go to South Garda karting track which is where Lando spent a couple of days testing uh, before he made his debut with McLaren in F1 just to kind of get his eye in um, bit of sharpness um, before, yeah, before he got into Formula One, uh, and before that, he'd spent years clocking up thousands of laps. So, for absolute clarity, right? I had never seen this go kart track before. Lando had done thousands and thousands and thousands of laps around it, uh, and we were. The idea was for Formula One. We've done a, a feature which will come out um, in the next couple of weeks slash months, um, where I go head to head with Lando. So um, my go-karting experience, because the boys will know, um, is limited. Uh, they always ask me to come out and often I say no, because I'm not any good. Uh, so I'm, prob I'm probably limited to 10, I'd say, indoor electric kart sessions and maybe once outdoors. Um, I think we did a Red Bull Media Day many years ago in Milton Keynes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, with the drivers. Was, and yeah, when Adrian Newey was really quick. Yeah, to remember. that's yeah. it. That's it. And that, so that's my only outdoor experience. Um, and so the carts I've used, for example, don't stall. So this was already uh, a new experience for me. <clears throat> uh, so I, they, but they set up a whole cart for me, uh, put my name on it on the side, which I thought was very cool. Uh, kitted me out in Lando cart gear um, and sent me out for three laps. I'll be honest, it was terrifying. Because the speed, uh, like Lando was saying that we could have got up to on that circuit, like around 80, 90 Ks. Oof. And um, obviously I wouldn't, <clears throat> I wouldn't have, I had in total that day, I probably did about 15 laps. So I didn't get up to those kind of speeds. Um, and there were other people out on the track as well. <clears throat> like the setup at a karting track is incredible. Like it's a proper event. And this day was just, people had bought like awnings and motorhomes for testing. Which and then we went the next day to like a car a WSK Open um, event and the paddock was as big as a Formula One paddock. I could, I've just never seen anything like it. It was properly professional setup. Anyway, so I went out on track for three or four laps just to get a feel for the car, um, and it made me feel better that Lando said that it feels faster him being in that car than sometimes it does in a Formula One car. Um, I just guessed the way that in a car you're just in a metal seat. And there's nothing around you, so I guess you feel the speed a bit more, and your ass is on the ground and closer to the ground than a Formula One car. But he said he went out, and he was like, "Oh, Lawrence is going to struggle," is what he said to me before I got in the car, just because of how physical it is. Like you guys will know about the the um, the aching in the wrists and the hands, depending on how hard you grip the steering wheel. And obviously, I'm quite nervous and stressed, so I'm gripping the steering wheel <laughs> even harder than normal. Um, anyway, we did it. So I had a little bit of a go around there. Then we did some time lapse to get like an average time to compare each other. And that defined 
how much of a head start he would give me in the race, and I loosely call it a race, uh, that we would have. Um, and there is a result, which I won't tell you now, because that will ruin the outcome of the, uh, the, the piece of content that we're going to put out. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you can guess what happened. But all I'm going to say is um, I enjoyed it. Um, I would have liked to finish closer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, it, it just gave me a real insight into how it's cool to go go-kart and just turn up and do those pay and play effective, effectively. And, and it is great fun. And you get the sensation of the speed that, that when you throw it into a corner. But from doing that to go into like next level competitiveness, it's the gap is just it it's huge it's and it looked like he was floating when i was watching him going around just the cart was just floating around the circuit and when i'm in it i'm just like i just don't understand how you can do it and obviously he's done thousands upon thousands upon thousands of laps where each lap he's done he's improved a little bit but it, it's just it gives gave me a new appreciation of <clears throat> not that i didn't respect them anyway but just you just can't turn up and do it and we forget sometimes even if you finish 19th or 20th in the formula one Grand Prix, you're still on the same lap and you still you, it's still like a, a level above most other people in the world um and i so it's just quite nice for me to have the opportunity to do that and to see that <clears throat> and just remind me so going forward um how, how incredibly impressive it is but yeah so there's some content coming um that you guys will get to enjoy uh there is a moment where i end up in the barriers Oh, yes, wow. that um, was my one question at the end of this. Yeah, and I, you know what? The most, the saddest thing was I was going backwards in the barriers and I was like, oh, this is disaster. And then I was like, shoot, I'm on the grass. And I looked up and my mechanics, I had two mechanics who was looking looking after me and they just had their ha heads in their hands because they'd obviously <laughs> given me fresh tyres. And I just, I, I ruined them because <laughs> I went around, I could clean, you can clean them up a little bit, but they're like proper carting tyres. So, and they're oh, hot, no. so you can't completely clean them off the guy and he wanted it there one of the mechanics had to go in that cart later on in the day so primarily he was probably annoyed that he now didn't have a cart with we had a cart with ruined tires and i felt so bad for them because they were like honestly trying to help me settle in as quickly as possible i went in i had a seat fit they're trying to get the pedals to fit they tried everything to try and make me feel comfortable there was a sight language barrier and trying to just explain a few things but they just obviously wanted me to have a great day and and so i felt so bad like i felt so bad when i did it and everyone was watching yeah. That, was the, that was the other thing. I, I crumbled under the pressure, boys. This is why I'm a journalist and not a racing driver. Well, you you should feel really bad. I mean, that's quite appalling, really. Um, I can't remember ever crashing a go-kart in my life. I don't think I've ever made a mistake in one, personally. Um, <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like, I, like very briefly, I'm, I did a Ricardo kart thing when he launched that. Same, same idea as well in Italy at um, Seven Lakes, so a different karting track. Not as cool, to be honest, but still fun. Um, and on that, we actually staged some photos where he was like overtaking or I was defending type thing. But we'd worked out where we'd do it and just gone for a few laps. And like he's driving at like 30% to go around the outside of me when I'm genuinely like pretty much hanging on as much as I can. And you just see like they've they've got a completely different appreciation of, of how to drive a go-kart quickly. And there's lots of little things that you, you can think of afterwards, but in the moment you can't do. And it's like, as normal humans, you and I, we turn the wheel too much, basically. You point it at the corner and you're like, when you're understeering, you turn more because you're like, I'm going to run wide. But all you're doing is then making yourself understeer even more. These guys have this feel where like the limit of grip is. And that's why it looks so easy. They barely turn the wheel and they get the absolute perfect amount of grip and turning and all this sort of thing. It's, it is a different level. Uh, we did some racing with Jack Aitken in the summer as well. And, and he, he got beaten by one other guy, I think, at this Arrive and Drive event. 
Um, but only once he toyed with him and was trying to like work out who was quick and who was slow. And I remember him having to drop back to race a few of us just for fun, like just stopping basically on the straight for us to all catch up. And then he got about half a lap until he was past us all again. And he was like, all right, you know, I tried. But it's it is an absolute different category that those guys are racing. It's um yeah, it's awesome to do every now and then, but um, yeah, it does make you feel a bit um a bit stupid, really, because you kind of just can't un- can't quite appreciate how they do some of the stuff they do. Whereas I watch a footballer play football and I know you can see how they do stuff. You're just like, I can't do that. I'm not that good. Whereas half the time in racing, I'm just like, I don't even know how you do that. Yeah. And it, for me in karting, I always feel like I'm going pretty quick. <laughs> I'm like, this is the quickest I can go. And then like meadows will come flying past me. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe... <laughs> Maybe maybe he's got a quicker cart than me. <laughs> Normally I do in that in the sense that there's a bit of a weight difference, isn't there? And like yeah, yeah. and an arrive and drive, that actually makes a big difference. Like there's yeah, just true. free lap time there. So Yeah. Um, but no, mate, that that's, that sounds like a really good feature. I can't wait to see it. Um actually, and I'm gonna tell everyone that I think you beat Lando <laughs> just to really big up the feature beforehand, even though you p- pretended that you didn't. Yeah, yeah, I'll be like, I'm gonna tweet watch Lando crash as Barretto beats him comfortably <laughs> in a karting <laughs> race, and then everyone will realise it's the other way around. I was like, Lawrence, all Lawrence has been doing is gloating about this race, bragging, <laughs> saying, saying Lando who? More like Lawrence Barreto should be in the McLaren. Well, you um, never know. We could have done a helmet swap, right? And I could have been yeah. wearing Lando's helmet and he could have been wearing mine. We just, we just ask, ask McLaren if you guys can do a job swap for like Abu Dhabi, maybe. Just see, you know, we'll have Lando in the press room, you in the McLaren. Um, he was, sorry, we, did, we did a piece where he... Um, did some interviewing with some of the younger karting kids. And so he kind of did a little bit of a job swap. Uh, I think he's going to be quite good at that as well. So isn't that annoying? So not only is he a good racing driver, he's quite good at doing our job as well. That's because it's easier to do our job than it is to do their job. Hang on. Don't tell people that. <laughs> no, no, um, no. But Nate mentioned going karting with us. I think the last time I went karting with you, Nate, was with uh, Lawrence Edmondson at Cota in the Cota uh, yeah. karting, which is very fun. Mega and fun. vicious rumour to finish the pod. Are you coming to Austin? I am. <gasps> I am. Late, Ce- late celebration. Edition. So until about a week ago, I didn't think I was going, but we've had the sign off now. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot of different. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of complications around Austin, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, I've got my visa sorted now, and I'm going. So I'm I'm buzzing because Austin is my favorite place to go as a race venue. Just the whole buzz around it. Um, it's going to be mega, and uh, I think this will be the first race we're all at together since Zandvoort. No. Right? Yeah, it's example. Yeah. It's example. Yeah. 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 I know that's not that long ago, but it does seem like it seems like a, a good a good long time well, ago. Well, we now. used to be at every race together. So. Yeah, that's true. yeah. That's true. That's, um, um, and to be fair, since Zambo, there was only Monza that Bretto and I were at, and then we haven't been at none of us have been at any of the two in between. So yeah. Um but it's funny how that sort of stuff happens because I yesterday got to go to the MTC to interview Pato Award ahead of Austin, but it was more general stuff about IndyCar and his F1 test uh, in Abu Dhabi. And we had a really good chat, actually. He was on very good form. Loves to swear, does Pato. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I have to edit that out, apparently. But I've never never heard someone say the term wank off so many times in an interview. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's all right. Mark is ex- explicit. I always make that point. Um, so we yeah had a really good interview. But I realized when I drove up, I got to drive the cool circle like the, around the lake to arrive oh, right. at the MTC. Um, and I have a nice video of that where I will still put it on social, even though I'll probably get prosecuted. But the... Um, what a way to go down, though. <laughs> I know, exactly right. But as, as I arrived, I suddenly thought, I haven't been here in ages. And I worked out, it was my first visit to an F1 factory since before the pandemic. 
I'd not been to one since the start of 2020. Yeah, I think my actual last factory visit was the MTC for their launch in oh, 2020, because right. then Ferrari did it away from Marinello. Uh, Renault did it in Paris, uh, and then a bunch of teams did it in Barcelona. And, and um, Racing Point, as it was, did it in Austria. So all of them were like, that. even when there were events, they weren't at Team HQs apart from McLaren. So I think that was the last one I'd been to. And it was like, wow, how, like the stuff that's happened in the time since you were last there is just amazing. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, no, it sounds, I mean, the MTC is always my favorite place to go out of the factories just because it's, it is like a little sci-fi kind of, it's like a mix between like an Avengers uh, headquarters, a sci-fi place, and just like this museum of great race cars all rolled into one. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting back there at some point. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Lando Barreto, uh, I know you need to go and do some sport in a second because you're a very fit young man, but um, we played some sport a few weeks ago, didn't we? We went and played golf. And uh, myself, Bretto, and Lawrence Evanson, and someone took the horn at you and and shouted out of a car window as we were hanging around. Uh, yeah, uh, just it was just before we about to, he was about to fly to Russia, and it was yeah, Lando had just done a few. He pushed it as far as he could do to get as many holes in as he could at uh, the golf course that we were playing at. Um, and yeah, it turns out that Lando wants to play golf as much as possible at some point on a daily basis, uh, which is uh, that's your next feature with him. Well, you say this. So then I saw him at the MTC yesterday and his first thing was he motioned putting and was like asking like when we played and stuff. And he that day he said, or when he last played, he shot 15 over uh, at that course, which is pretty damn good going. You know, that's less than one over on each hole. Um, so it's obviously paying off that he's playing so much. I then significantly better than us. <laughs> well, I then sent a message to the McLaren comms team. I don't think they passed it on, but I told them to tell him I shot 12 over because he couldn't, the, the doors, the MTC has very cool, like glass tubular um, elevators and the doors are closing. You know, you're like in this pod. And so we were trying to like shout to each other through the doors and motion like golf things. And I got that he was 15 over and I didn't manage to tell him what I'd shot. So I was going to tell, I told them to tell him it was 12 over so that I'd beaten him just to annoy him um, because, yeah, I was nowhere near that. I was about 30 over. But um, yeah, um, I mean, we're going around again on Friday morning. Um, yeah, maybe Lando will join us. Um, <laughs> he'll probably be there from the sound of it. Um, but we didn't know, did we? We just were about to start around and um, there was an F1 driver who definitely should have been in Russia by then. But yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry, he, listeners. I have no idea what they're talking about either. So, <laughs> golf. golf. It's all right. He got to Russia and it all went fine. And it was all fine. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, the race weekend didn't go fine. <laughs> exactly. He got to Russia. So that was Just good. quickly going back to the Austin thing. One of my favorite things to do when I go to America is watch Magnum PI. Magnum Pi? Magnum P- so, PI? Listeners, Nate has been squirming in his chair for the last <laughs> minutes while we've been chatting about golf. He's been so desperate to say. <laughs> I've just been trying to think of you know fun pie ways to end the and Ameri- uh, American pie that would have been better. Yeah, a little bit going pie. to America, um, but never mind. On that, that bombshell, better. maybe we'll let Barretto go and play squash. Yeah, when you're when you're at the the facility, is it's always annoying, isn't it? When you go to the gym and the to- toilets are occupied. <laughs> <laughs> oh we've got to end it i'm gonna yeah. have to call it there it's only it's end the episode or the pod i it's think it's there. about time we pie you off mate to be honest <laughs> yes <laughs> thanks listeners for sticking with me oh thank you very much boys it's been an absolute pleasure thanks to everyone who was listening as well remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels you can read nate's work on espn.com Medis's work on racer.com and my work on f1.com we will do this again very very soon Hi. <laughs> <laughs>
Social Podcast Network.